Welcome to Teach Me Sentai, a podcast where we're taking a look back at the Power Rangers and the Japanese series that gave its inspiration and footage Super Sentai. I'm John McDonough. And I'm Natalie Bridgman. You can support the show by going to patreon.com slash Sentai. Natalie, what are we doing today? We are doing our first book club episode. We've been talking a lot about the Boom comics kind of in reference to narrative comparisons and stuff in this series, and now we're really going to get into it. First, we're reading issues 0 through 12 of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the 2016 annual and the 2017 annual, collected as volumes 1 through 3 and The Lost Chronicles, volume 1, available at comic stores, many bookstores, and your local library. Yeah, um, it's a really fun ride, and uh, I'm so excited to be to be looking at this. We will be uh, missing our Zoo Ranger babies for a few episodes, yeah. but we'll get back to them soon enough. Not a real previously, because we're just starting this, but just to locate us in sort of time, this series picks up right after Green with Evil, almost immediately after. Mm-hmm. Yes. So cast your mind back a few episodes when we were full of promise and excitement about how Tommy would engage with the team. And let's pick back up there. We are going to do a sort of quasi really, really light synopsis um, of the issues because otherwise we'd be here all day and we want to make sure we credit the creators. But after we're done with that, we'll come back and we'll talk all about it. And for anybody who is like looking at page counts of these before, like having not read them or whatever, these read really fast. So if you want to decide to go ahead and read them, I would encourage it because you're going to get so much more out of the discussion than what our synopsis are going to give. But we have them for you anyway, if you want to just avoid reading altogether, which I support. Yes, it sounds like a lot until you read it. And then it's really not. It goes so So, fast. uh, Yeah, and it's so fun. So we hope you do read it, whether you uh, (laughs) do it now or after we talk about it when we sell you on it. But uh, let's go ahead and tell you what happens anyway. All right, here we go. Mighty Warfare Power Rangers Volume 1. This series, unless otherwise noted, is written by Kyle Higgins, art by Hendry Persetia, colors are by Matt Hearns, and it's lettered by Ed Dukeshire. Issue 0. Tommy struggles to adjust to his life as a good Power Ranger and his strangely malfunctioning Zord. Issue 1. The rest of the team and Angel Grove reacts to the Green Ranger's face turn while Rita prepares a mysterious plan involving a dark crystal. Issue 2. Scorpina lures Tommy into a one-on-one fight for his power coin, a trick to further empower the Dark Crystal. When Tommy requires a rescue and learns the Dragonzord malfunction is his fault, he spirals into self-doubt. Issue 3. Tommy comes clean about visions of Rita and the team is upset he kept it a secret. Using the crystal and a fake dragon dagger, Scorpina takes control of the Dragonzord. Issue 4. Tommy regains his confidence and control of the Dragonzord, but tensions between the team fully charge Rita's crystal, causing an explosion that damages the command center and brings forward a frightening new foe. And bonus story, the ongoing adventures of Bulk and Skull. These are all written by Steve Orlando, illustrated by Corin Howell, with colors by Jeremy Lawson, and the letters are by Jim Campbell. In this part of the story, Bulk and Skull try to become heroes like the Power Rangers to impress Kimberly and Trini. They capture a putty patroller to use in their plan, but things go comically wrong. Mighty Morphin Power Rangers Volume 2 Issue 5 has a guest team. It's illustrated by Tony Silas and colored by Brian Valerenza, set before Tommy arrives in Angel Grove. When Zack grows jealous of Jason's spotlight, Rita tries to tempt him to her side by offering him the dragon power coin. In issue 6, the team loses Zordon, Alpha, Billy, and their connection to their powers after their first encounter with the Black Dragon, a mysterious foe with knowledge of the Morphin Grid. 
Issue 7. While Rita delivers an ultimatum to the planet's leaders, Jason and Tommy launch a desperate rescue mission to get Billy back from the Dark Dimension. Issue 8. After barely escaping the Black Dragon on the moon, Tommy comes up with a bold new plan to turn the tides. The ongoing Adventures of Bulk and Skull Part 2 from the same creative team as Part 1, Bulk and Skull are assigned to community service with Officer Stone. While Bulk discovers a sandwich named after him has been removed from the menu of his favorite deli, he inadvertently stops a robbery trying to restore his legacy. Mighty Morphin Power Rangers Volume 3, Issue 9. Empowered by Tommy's green energy, the Rangers are back in action against the Black Dragon. After Billy escapes the Dark Dimension, he and Tommy realize the Black Dragon is a Zord. They stop his rampage but are teleported away to its homeworld. Issue 10. Guest Star Team. Art by Jonathan Lamb and colors by Joanna LaFuente. In the early days of the Power Rangers, Billy tries to find the confidence to be a hero. Issue 11. While the others try to figure out what happened to them, Billy and Tommy explore the strange world of Lord Dracon and discover his true identity, Tommy Oliver. Issue 12. Tommy and Billy learn that Lord Dracon is Tommy, if, after breaking free from Rita's spell, he still took her side. They learn of the great battle that brought the world to this point, and come face to face with the resistance force, the Coinless. And the ongoing adventures of Vulcan Skull Part 3 from the same team, Rita gives our lovable duo a monster to control, the Double Disastron, but instead of defeating the Rangers, Vulcan Skull's bickering brings the monsters to its knees. Lost Chronicles Volume 1, lots of different credits on this one. Stick with us. A Week in the Life, written by Kyle Higgins, illustrated by Rod Race, letters by Ed Dukeshire. A Week in the Life of Student slash Power Ranger slash Karate Teacher slash Athlete Jason Scott. Unlucky Heroes, written by Ross Thibodeau, art by Rob Gilroy, and colors by Taylor Wells. Letters by Jim Campbell. When the team is captured, Bulk and Skull become temporary Power Rangers. But a Trouble, written by Marguerite Bennett, illustrated by Huang Dan Lan. Letters by Jim Campbell, Trini saves the day when an animal rights-focused monster attacks her botanical garden fundraising ball. Only the Strong, written by Trey Moore, art by Terry Moore, colors by Hi-Fi, letters by Jim Campbell. The untold tale of how Goldar came to work for Reed on the Moon and killed his brother. It's Putty Time, written and illustrated by James Kolchaka. A putty falls in love with Kimberly when she expresses concern that they have feelings. What Makes a Ranger, written and illustrated by George Corona, with colors by Gabriel Casada and letters by Ed Dukeshire. After a young girl watches the rangers fight a monster, the team helps her reunite with her parents. Search Party, written again by Kyle Higgins, art by Goni Montez, letters by Ed Dukeshire. An untold tale of Lord Dracon. Rita Repulsa tempts Tommy back to her side after her spell is broken. Trini's Vacation, written by Tom Taylor, illustrated by Dan Moira, letters by Ed Dukeshire. A communication scrambling meteor lands in the middle of Trini's vacation, and she single-handedly keeps Goldar from stealing it for Rita. Forever Mighty Morphin Black, written and illustrated by Jamal Campbell, lettered by Ed Dukeshire. Zack joins a team of Mighty Morphin Black Rangers from across the multiverse to save a universe in peril. Perfect, written by Trey Moore, illustrated by Fraser Irving, letters by Jim Campbell. The tragic dark history of an artist named Finster and the wife he murdered over and over again. Sabrina's Day Out, written by Caitlin Kittridge, art by Dai Jung Lee, colors by Sarah Stern, and letters by Jim Campbell. While on an espionage mission to expose the Ranger's secrets, Scorpina and Goldar end up having a pleasant day off. And finally, what time is it? Writing by Merigrid Scott, illustrated by Daniel Bayliss, letters by Ed Dukeshire. The Rangers demonstrate their greatest power, teamwork. <laughs>
wow, so much stuff, but also mostly just one thing and lots of little short stories. Yeah. So this was your first time reading any of this. So why don't you start? What do you think of it? Okay, so I think my main thought reading all of this was this is like Power Rangers in 4K. That's a good way to phrase it. This is everything that I thought Power Rangers was growing up. And this is everything I wanted Power Rangers to be now watching it. Like this is yeah. truly like what I believe it was Higgins. He said he wanted Power Rangers to be with the show, like the show we remember. That's exactly it. I, I had that quote in my mind the whole time I was reading this time. Cause it really is like, even as we've been watching the show, we're having a great time watching Power Rangers oh, yeah. of course, but like, it was sort of like, oh yeah, like this is what it felt like <laughs> as a kid. And I, and I will say that as an adult, if you're having a Power Rangers fix, I would almost at this point be like, go read the comic and mm-hmm. not watch the show. If you're going to do one or the other, do both. That's my real answer. But yeah. because like it will give you more of that juice you're looking for. Yeah, for sure. The characters are as you remember them, but also like better. <laughs> and the story just makes more sense. Like we've been we've been having this kind of tension between kind of the nature of the show because it's a weird adaptation of Super Sentai. And every time we watch Super Sentai episodes, we're like, yeah, this is so much better. But also the Super Sentai episodes could be beefier. They could be more dramatic. They could be whatever. And like this goes back on that and is like, yeah, this is like the most beefy version of a Power Ranger kind of story that you want. Yeah, best of all worlds. Yeah. So I think first thing we want to talk about is sort of the story, which is broadly divided, I think, into three arcs, one of which hasn't quite concluded. So we have the sort of Tommy Green Ranger tension arc, we have the Black Dragon arc, and then we have Tommy and Billy trapped in Lord Dracon's dimension. So let's start with how how the series opens. We have Tommy feeling all the things we wanted him to feel (laughs) when we finished Green with Evil. Yeah, have everything that we would logically expect him to feel. Yeah, he's feeling like, I don't know about myself. We see each ranger's like individual sort of like take on the situation. Jason's like, no, he's good now. He's a teammate. And Zach's like, I don't feel good about this at all. And Kimberly's like, I'm not quite sure. I like Tommy, but he seems off. And Trini and Billy are dealing with robots. As per usual, really, in a lot of ways, Trini and Billy are just like, we have a task. I think this is such a smart way to start the series because like things get much more blockbustery from here, but Mm -hmm. we start so deep and intimately in the world of the Rangers we know that it sort of like gets me ready for when things start to really pop off. And like, it makes me have so much faith in the creative team because I'm like, oh, you know this so well. Mm. Yeah, well, it's also like grounding these characters, like re-grounding them, I should say. Like, we Mm -hmm. think we know the ranger team and we think we know Tommy, but we don't actually because that, that kind of characterization is missing from the original text. And this is like, no, here this is what it actually is. This is what we're working from. It grounds the perspective in a way that gives you a good starting point for everything else that's going to happen. It's all very logical after that. Yeah, and we definitely have a lot to say about the Rangers as they're characterized here, but we're going to get to that in a little bit. Mm -hmm. But this is sort of like, it is setting that up. It is laying the groundwork. So at the end, when the command center of this arc, when the command center explodes and (laughs) Black Dragon is there and it's like, whoa, okay, we're in a different area of (laughs) a different type of plot now we're really like on board and locked in with who these people are yeah exactly what do you think of the black dragon i i don't know i didn't really i so i in fairness i forgot where we were heading which is 
for the best. Like, you, you read <laughs> it purely. I knew that Lord Dracon was, like, a thing. I knew the, the conceit, but I didn't know that it was happening, like, then, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like, I knew it was something that happened eventually, but I didn't think that that is where we were heading directly. And then when it happened, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> But it does make the most sense. Like, otherwise, it's just some other big bad. I really thought it was going to be Lord Zed the whole time. Mm-hmm. Before before he had, like, a face. and Or not a face, but, like, a shape. thought it was going to be Lord Zed, but it wasn't. And it's like, okay, cool. I don't know. I think it's a interesting comparison to put. Like, we're starting with the story with Tommy not knowing, like, if he really is cut out for this or not. And then we see kind of like the worst case scenario of of what he thinks that he might be and what everybody else thinks that he might be. Yeah, I think Lord Dracon is great. I think Black Dragon is boring as hell. Yes, okay, okay. I like because he's just like I change size and I'm so powerful and I know everything about the morphing grid and it like reminds me there's like an anime trope that I hate where mm-hmm. you get this like it's usually second season villain who's just like so bad and so strong the Kimberly and Full Metal Alchemist for those uh-huh. of you who know that one like and I hate that character always like I'm just like I'm so bored or they're just like they're so ruthless and it's just like okay whatever yeah it's we like, I just it. don't care and that's how I felt about Black Dragon and like Rita's doing a lot of fun stuff and the end of this arc where they all are temporarily Green Rangers yeah love it great but like the actual villain itself felt so like uh and then it's Lord Dragon it's like oh this is actually yeah we just doing this the whole time <laughs> right like why wasn't it just like Lord Dragon like in his Lord Dragon outfit I wouldn't really like count on the rangers recognizing lord dracon as a ranger or like a version of a ranger so we could have just been in that outfit (laughs) no one would have known maybe zordon would have but well zordon's not there the whole time which is fine and works it's just like why are we i don't know also zordon didn't tell them about like the green power coin in canon so like you know what i mean like yeah, there's like, a lot of things Zordon didn't tell them. But yeah, so so then we move into the sort of beginnings of this last storyline where Billy and Tommy are in Lord Dracon's universe and we learn more about that universe. The way the collections are divided, we're sort of in the middle of that story, so I don't know that we have a ton to say about it yet, but we're starting to get to know we at least the basic conceit. In mm-hmm. this universe, Tommy... The spell was broken and Rita lured him back over to her side without brainwashing him. And therefore he sort of took over the world. What are you feeling about this alternate universe story? It's very Barai. It is very Barai. It's a lot more Barai than it is Tommy. Yeah, yeah. But I think, you know, there are like kind of little Easter egg allusions to Z-Ranger in this series. Like they're not totally absent. Like Rita's headquarters it's very clearly described as Bandora's palace. Like there's a picture of like the front mm-hmm. where it says Bandora. So it's not like they're shying away from that. And I think this is their way to kind of be like, well, what if Power Rangers did kind of a more fully fledged version of Barai's story, which is that someone just gets misguided and wants to exert power when they feel powerless. And so that's Lord Dracon. Yeah. And this interesting engagement with Rita as a like, like, we see her sales pitch. We kind of yeah. brushed over the two sort of fill-in issues that bridge the gaps, but they're both very good. And the one, the first one with Zach sort of is that even really crystallized. The sales pitch is not like, I want to rule. The sales pitch is like, this world is a mess and people need direction and I will give a direction. Let yeah. me do that. 
And, like, for Zach, we see that it's not appealing, which I think makes a lot of sense. But for Tommy, who I think has felt really aimless in his life, it makes sense that the sales pitch would work. Well, it's interesting because we get this, like, dimension to Tommy outside of, like, he's just a new kid who moved into town. End of story. Yeah. (laughs) You know? It's like, oh, there's a reason why he would be susceptible to this in the first place. Yeah, and I think that's actually the thing we want to spend the most time talking about is sort of who the Rangers are as people. So we're going to take our break now, a little mm-hmm. earlier than normal, but I think it makes sense. And we'll be back and dive sort of much more deeply into, I think, what really works about this series, which is the Rangers. Yeah, we'll be right back. So, like you were saying, Tommy, I think that is the perfect example of what I think is so, so good about this series, is that the way it makes all the two-dimensional versions of the Rangers three-dimensional. Yeah, they really pop. It is really very much, like, in 4K. Like, I've suddenly... It's like seeing them for the first time, but I've also seen them so many times. It's, It's great. Let's go one at a time through them and sort of talk a little bit about, like, what's been fleshed out about them and why it works. Mm-hmm. Let's start with Tommy, because I think we we spend a lot of time focused on Tommy, which right. makes sense for all of our various Green Ranger conversations we've had. I think the biggest smart thing they do with Tommy is crystallize his backstory. So we know, A, he has a single mother. We, we're not sure if it's divorce or his dad's dead. But like, and B, that he has moved around a lot mm-hmm. and to lots of very different kinds of places. And so he doesn't really have like a, he's never really had like a home sense. And that just kind of makes, I don't know, it just makes it so much more understandable that he would be both wanting to be part of the ranger team and also not sure of them because he doesn't have that experience absolutely and like it's very clear almost no one says it but like i don't think tommy has ever had friends before Mm -hmm. and the way that colors his dynamic with the rest of the team especially because they are all such good friends is really interesting yeah he's both envious and scared of them and he's both like and you get totally why you're like oh yeah it's because this is brand new to you and you don't know how it works but also you desperately want it. Yeah. yeah. They, they play dynamics with him with characters also that we don't always get to see. Like, because they bring up this Zack clash, we see Tommy and Zack a lot. We've, mm. we've had Tommy and Billy now go to this alternate dimension. Those two aren't characters that at this point in Power Rangers really interact very much. And also, like, Tommy and Trini, like, that was so nice when we got that. <laughs> like, Yeah, Trini what? has, like, I can sort of understand where you're coming from. Like, so many of my notes on various issues are just pairings of characters that I'm like oh that works really well oh that works really well (laughs) oh that's fun yeah like pretty much (laughs) like that's it and then also also kind of to go back to our previous episode where we're we're like kind of this Jason and Tommy like rivalry was like really put on display for no reason and there was like no basis for it like we get it in this (laughs) it makes sense And some of it is like Jason's putting his reputation on the line for this guy, which tracks and makes sense for Jason. I think they use Tommy's mom really effectively is sort of the last thing I wanted to highlight about Tommy is Mm -hmm. that I think they like all of the Ranger parents. Another thing we like to talk about is just like, are they ever in school and where are their parents? This comic explores both of those answers. (laughs) um, Tommy going missing, Tommy's mother's concern about him. We also learned that apparently Angel Grove is in the Bay Area, which I reject, but... um, (laughs) It's like, no. In the second storyline, they're, like, theoretically caught on the other side of the Bay, and, like, 
their yeah. parents are all worried and then everyone else comes back and Tommy and Billy don't and we see Tommy's mother really crushed by that like that pathos for Tommy works so well mm-hmm. we love Tommy mom it's just nice to see these characters having like support systems however mm-hmm. big or small they may be yes and I think the other character who is almost the most improved in some ways to me is Jason yes pivot to him Jason is so flat in the show sometimes and they almost lean into that as part of his characterization. Like, we get this deep sense that Jason cares a lot about doing the right thing and helping people and being a leader in a way that's really cool. And then on top of all of that, we get this sense of, like, how hard he works to do that. And there's a conversation with him and Kimberly in an early issue especially that I felt like, oh, yeah, like, Jason's just trying really, really hard all the time. Well, and then also we get to see him, like, have kind of a defensiveness of that position, too, naturally. Like, I'm thinking of the moment when his, like, I guess his sensei asks him if, like, Tommy could maybe teach a class or something. Mm -hmm. And he's immediately like, I don't know about that. Even though Tommy is, like, his teammate and, like, his peer now, he's not sure of, like, giving up kind of that position of, like, teacher and, like, de facto leader in that moment, too. Yeah, Jason teaches karate at a standalone facility. It's not the middle of the youth center. It's not the gym and juice bar. (laughs) So many more buildings in this series. Incredible when you don't have to build sets. But, like, it creates this sense of, like, that dojo very much is, like, Jason's place. Yeah. And we see that with, like, the devotion he has to his students and also his sensei. And, and yeah, that moment you're talking about, it does sort of feel like, well, but this one's mine. Like, mm-hmm. this place. Yeah. And he's a teenager. It makes a lot of sense. And it's not ham-fisted in any way. You know, like, this is all... I, I think a lot of stories about teenagers end up kind of being reductive of like what a teenager is just like they're just so impulsive and crazy and it's like no Mm -hmm. all of this is very logical if you just follow the thread yeah and and i think often with teen boys especially like Mm -hmm. we so rarely get to see someone characterized like this where he just sincerely wants to do good and be like a good person to the people around him yeah it's it's very soft masculinity in a way that i like like i i love jason in the comics so 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 much yeah, well, and to be fair, like, he's not that different from Jason in the show. It's just that, like, enough definition to where it's, like, a character rather than the lack of. Yes, and and I think, like, slightly better writing, and we, we haven't talked a lot about the art so far, but, like, I think Presadia, who's the main series artist, is really good at dynamic positioning to sort of sell emotion, mm-hmm. and I think he uses that with Jason a lot, so that what Jason is seeing and thinking is very clear versus maybe what he's saying in a way that the show it's a multi-cam i'll stop shitting on austin st john one day but like (laughs) it doesn't sell it as much i'll leave it that way and i feel like i always have to defend him it's like he's 19 and we know the production was shit yes 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 (laughs) and he's a fraudster oh god allegedly allegedly But I think the rest of our ranger team is all characters who, by this point in the show, we, like, get and we like. Mm-hmm. So this it doesn't feel like as big of lifts are required. Yet at the same time, I think the comic also crystallizes them in a really interesting way. Yeah. Well, again, with, like, the home life thing, like, this idea that Kimberly's parents are divorced and they, like, argue about visitation, like, that was so welcome. Yeah, I think it comes up later in the show. To yes. My but, but, yeah, it and it... it in a way that I'm like, oh, I can't wait for Amy Jo Johnson to have things to do. <laughs> That's probably why that felt like so 
refreshing. It's like, yeah, I do remember something like that, but like it's coming up earlier, so it's not a plot point. It's just like her life, and yeah. that's good. And the way that informs, like, I just want everyone in my Power Rangers family to get along. Yes. Like, makes a lot of sense. She's always putting herself in between Jason and Tommy, or Tommy and Zach, or whoever is fighting with whoever. She's like, we don't have to fight. It's fine. Her clothes are incredible. Always. <laughs> There's a lot of good fashion. Like, uh, this series is set in modern day, so the, the clothes are a little more aligned. Great, great highlight of how 90s fashion is back in some ways, but also, like, slightly more modern. But Kimberly's close. She's got a lot of good jackets. She's got mm-hmm. a lot of good, like, jumpsuit rompery energy things. She's got bangs that really work. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's real good. I did appreciate, just for a moment on the art, how, like, these characters resemble the cast, but they're very clearly not drawn to look exactly like the cast. I think that's 100% true. Like, you can pick them out and be like, of course, that's who that is. But I know that that's not what they, like, the actors look like. And I like that because it, like, gives it some space. And also lets lets many of them look younger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which sells some of the, the other emotional hooks. Uh, Billy especially is someone who I think, like, being able to look a little more 16 is really helpful to some of the characterization. Yeah, for sure. Speaking of Billy, he, like, the series obviously has such a, like, glowing heart for Billy in a way that I understand. And, like, it, it really jumped out at me. Like, I think a thing that's always been true about Billy is that of the Rangers, like, he is the most normal kid. He's very smart, but, like, yeah, many kids watching who had the fantasy of, like, maybe I could be a Power Ranger, I think that looked a little more like Billy than it did necessarily about any of the other cast. Uh, agree. Hard agree. And this series leans really deeply into that idea with him. Yeah, like, he is the reader's kind of viewpoint into, like, what an average person would be feeling in any given situation. And a lot of that being insecurity, being like, Mm -hmm. I don't know how to do this. Like, issue 10 is this sort of backdrop story of Billy when he first becomes a Power Ranger. And there's this idea that he's been, like, he morphs and then puts his clothes on on top of that because, like, he's so scared. And that felt so, like, first, like, oh, so sweet, but also, like, understandable, Yeah, it's like you're literally putting your armor on to go into high school every day, which is like something I think that a lot of teen media like does touch on. Like the reason why a punk dresses like that is because it makes them feel stronger. I don't know. That's a horrible voice. But that's something that is in a lot of media. But to have that so literal in like the Power Ranger uniform... Is his armor. Yeah. And I think Trini ends up acting as a really cool bridge between Billy's sort of sense of like, this isn't right for me. And and maybe Jason and Tommy a mm-hmm. little more like, of course, feeling like uh, Trini is another character who I can tell this series just has a deep, deep affection. Yes. For. She's everywhere and you want her to be everywhere. Yes. Well, and like, okay. Trini specifically. Okay, so in that issue with Billy, she's the one who's like, actually, you're a genius and like no one else can be a genius. And he's like, well, you're really smart too. And she's like, yes, because I'm learning from you, you know, like it's very important that you know that. And then that comes later when he's with Tommy in the other dimension. Mm -hmm. And she's like, they're the ones who usually figure things out together. And now she's trying to figure it out solo. And she's like, I literally can't do it. And she's allowed to have like this kind of frustration. Yes. That I love so much because it it reminded me of when Zordon was missing in the series, like in the five-parter. And like Trini was just so upset the whole time, but like without any kind of form, like she was just openly grieving. And this is, like, a structured frustration that I understand. And, like, 
it marries those two things so well for me. It does. It like turns up her cool factor, which is great because Trina yeah. is very cool. And, but then also turns up her passion and like she won't hesitate to give sort of really impassioned expressions of her feelings to many members of the team. And also she dresses super cool. God, she's so cool. I love Trini in this series. I love it a lot. I think Trini is, is a character much like Kimberly and Billy who probably didn't need a huge lift to seem really cool. But like just the little sharpening yeah. is so effective. So and that good. brings us to Zach, who it feels like they just zoom in on in a way that it's like, we said this a little bit after Green with Evil, like why is every episode not a Zach episode? Like Zach has yeah. such a unique perspective on everything. And the series really leans into it, especially in his relationship with Tommy. Yes. I think that was so fun to finally have someone voicing all of the questions that like we as adults had for Tommy. Like, we don't even know this guy. Why are we putting our lives on the line for this guy? Why are we giving him the benefit of the doubt? He like just moved in. All of this stuff. It was so nice to have that actually spoken, said aloud by a teammate, and especially Zach, because he was able to have, like, so much credibility while doing it. It was great. And then we also learned that, like, part of the reason Zach feels that way is because he's maybe a little suspicious of this mind control story, because Mm -hmm. in a retcon for the comic, Zach was actually offered the dragon power coin first. This is issue five. It's one of our other guest artist issues. What did you think of this issue? I loved it. I love a good AU missing scene situation in fan fiction. Mm-hmm. And like, this is very much that just in this text. And I love how they were able to pace it out to where you like, it seemed almost reasonable that Zach would maybe be tempted I mean, I think his temptation was pretty clear in the text. like, And coming off of this very teenage sense of, like, jealousy. Like, yeah. I'm probably the second most capable ranger. Maybe you would say that about the original five. But, like, I don't want to be second. And Jason gets all the attention, and I feel bad about it. Like... He's 16. Of course, all that's true. Of course. It makes sense. And for Rita to also want to prey on that, like that is a logical thing for her to want to do. And it was just nice to see, (laughs) to see that that had crossed her mind. And it was also nice to see that these rangers are like real teenager people. Mm -hmm. Like they have these kind of conflicts. And it also does motivate like his, his suspicion of Tommy too, because he was offered this in a very different way then it was kind of thrust upon Tommy. And we do see Rita in the issue say like, oh, I can't offer this to someone. I'm going to need to force someone. So like it, it does sort of close the circle. But but yeah, it's an interesting thing and sets up this Zordon moment that never gets really paid off here, but I'm pretty sure will be paid off a little bit in part two of our book club that like Zach told Zordon this happened and Zordon told him not to tell anyone and Zach never did. And like that all feeling sort of like, I don't know about that Zordon. Yeah. <laughs> Zordon in every universe is sketchy. Like, that's yeah. that's it. The, one of the many things this series leads into with Rita's message is Rita sort of being... We, we hear it in a few of the annual short stories, and we hear it from Rita a lot. That, like, Zordon likes making teenagers go to war for him. And, mm-hmm. like, that's a little weird. Well, <laughs> it's kind of an indefensible position, you know? Yeah. I, I can't remember all the ways that that's unpacked in the series, but I'm kind of excited to see it. But but point being, Zach, great. We love Zach. Yeah. He is really good in, in that first arc and isn't a, a, as big of a featured character in the next one, but um, is still just, like, really special and shined in in this series well also something about him like because we've talked about everybody else well we didn't talk about trini's parents trini's parents like actually going into the immigrant story that they have 
great. Love mm-hmm. that. Enjoy it. She's um, also coded as Taiwanese. I think she says she's Taiwanese. Yes. Book, so we're just yeah. going to keep on wondering. But <laughs> I think it might be consistent within this book. Yeah, we can only hope. I mean, probably. Most likely. I would be shocked if not. But with Zach, like, the moment that we have to see, like, what his home life is like, he kind of pushes Jason away. Like, mm-hmm. I'm just dealing with this on my own. And I really like that. I like planting that seed of, like, someone who just is like, okay, I know I'm not the leader, but I do have to keep it together because I can't be a burden on anybody else. Mm -hmm. And so I'm hoping that comes in later. Maybe not. Maybe it won't but I like it. Yeah, they it, it is a, a really cool dynamic on the character. And one thing that that sort of gets at that we sort of mentioned before is that there's so many good duos, like good mm-hmm. intersections of characters we don't expect. So like some of them we get, in, in the early issues, it's sort of pairs we're used to. It's Kimberly and Tommy, it's Jason and Zach, it's Billy and Trini. But throughout the story, like we really mix and match in a cool way. Did you have any that like really stood out to you as like, I love seeing these two characters interact with each other. I love Trini and Tommy. Mm-hmm. I love that whole exchange. I, that section. I also really like Tommy and Jason on equal footing, really trying to work through things together. We get to see that. And I like those yeah. two. That's what I'm enjoying. Yeah, I think, I think uh, those are both really good. <laughs> great answer on my short list. The one that really took me by surprise was there's this great scene between Kimberly and Jason. Yeah. That like really spoke to them both as like peacekeepers and <laughs> the pressure that comes with that. And, and and there was a, a, a sort of, like, understanding between them of, like, neither of us says exactly what we think most of the time. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and Kimberly's sort of ability to support Jason in, in the realm of, like, soft masculinity. That's a form of, like, hard femininity that I really like. Like, yeah. there, there was a really it's interesting good. balance between them that, yeah, a duo we see actually, I think, support surprisingly little of in the series that that works really well they also build out that they're like legitimately friends yes like they want to go do something outside of rangering together and i love that i love every kind any moment of that i'm like yes please (laughs) because what we get from the show and even most of the time in this series so far is allusions to like when we're not busy we're gonna go do x y and z but uh, yeah. something attacks so we can't so it's just nice when we get those moments of like yeah we're actually friends it's not just that we're rangers we're really friends yeah and like we know each other yeah <laughs> personally <laughs> Yeah, the, another type of pairing we get a lot in this series that I'm going to use to help sort of transition us into our next topic is uh-huh. weird pairings of the rangers and the villains. Mm-hmm. Because Rita and her goons are incredible in this so series. Good. <laughs> so good. Rita herself is so scary in this Yeah. Comic. She's she's such a manipulator. They like Bandora is this sort of version of like cartoonish puppet master that really works for Bandora. Mm-hmm. And then I think sometimes Rita Repulsa ends up being just like arch and dumb. And this series was like, what if she is not arch and not dumb? <laughs> like the characterization we end up with is so it's so different than the way Bandora's become scary and G-Ranger, but it's so startling and eerie and like kind of leans into the witch of it all. It's weird because, again, she's recognizable as Rita. Yes. Because she has that kind of flair. But she is so much more capable and so much more, like, playing 5D chess and so much 
just like creepy, so much more strategic. And I love that. But it's funny because we still do kind of get like goofy goon moments too, though. Yes, yes. Which are also good. I also want those. Yeah, yeah. Like Goldar, for example, in in much of this section that we read hilarious i love goldar so so the the premise here is that goldar has been stuck in the dark dimension as a sort of like willing prisoner since the end of green with evil because he failed and he's really bitter and upset about it yeah which makes sense for the goldar goldar was a huge part of green with evil unexpectedly as we talked about yeah but then billy ends up in the dark dimension with them and that is the most unexpectedly great combination of characters to me so funny (laughs) It's so good because Goldar clearly has no respect for Billy. One. No. (laughs) It's like, oh, the blue one? Whatever. Yeah. But Billy is also so able to like play his ego. Billy ends up getting Goldar to basically let him out. Saying that like, you want someone else to succeed at beating the Power Rangers? And Goldar's (laughs) like, good point. Like it's very fun. It's a weird dynamic. And Goldar's being so silly. Yeah, I think the main thing that's, like, hilarious about it is there is a moment where Goldar's like, well, the reason I'm in here is because I'm atoning for my mistake with the Green Ranger and, like, with the Red Ranger, like, in that whole section. And Dilly's like, well, I mean, you messed up a lot before that point, and I don't think you did the same thing, so, like, what's different here? Yeah, (laughs) and he's right. (laughs) And, like, there's just this, like, frame of Goldar, like, realizing, like, what the hell? And then... <laughs> so good. In the annual, we get a backstory of Goldar that sort of involves this idea that, like, Goldar is not necessarily loyal to Rita. Goldar was assigned to Rita, which mm-hmm. I think works well with some of the stuff we brought up of, like, Goldar is very strangely, like, omniscient and very strangely, like, knows more than I think he should sometimes in the dialogue of Power Rangers. It was sort of an interesting way of like smoothing that over to make it sort of like, well, Goldar is sort of his own agent who's been assigned to this role. Yeah, he's a contractor kind of. And he had other knowledge before this point. But now he's in too deep. Oh, he's in so deep. He doesn't like failing because his people think that if you fail, you're really weak and you should die. Yeah, of course. Hey, Makes sense. Scorpina is really featured in the first arc of the series before mysteriously disappearing in a way that's not explained for many years. But spoiler, she's in Lord Dracon's dimension now. Oh, okay. You don't find that out for a long time. I Um, legitimately was like, is she dead? Like, they're just acting like she's gone. Well, and she sort of disappears from the series. And Uh, I think this is sort of their version of like, why? Okay. Anyway, the real reason why is that Lammy was a human and they didn't want to deal with it. But fair. <laughs> um, I mean, and fair. Yeah, yeah, not ununderstandable. But but yes, so Scorpina it seems really like cruel in a way that I think sharpens her character. Yeah, but also she doesn't get to know as much as Goldar does no. in this, which I think is interesting because like Lammy is famously a s- executive agent and therefore knows a lot more. But because like she's kind of a pawn for this like one-on-one fight with Tommy that she's like wait isn't this what you wanted and it's like no it was never about that and then even when scorpina disappears rita is a little like i lost scorpina but you know you deal with you deal with what you have to deal with yeah (laughs) i do think one of my favorite moments in the section that we read was when scorpina kind of teleports into tommy's room 
Mm-hmm. Because that brings in, like, that was something that even the show kind of allu- alludes to being, like, something that they can do, but they don't ever do. Yeah. I think it was in the Tickle Sneezer episode is what I'm yep. trying to, I- yeah. <laughs> Although that was a dream, but also <laughs> but- <laughs> still tracks, yes. And it's just kind of this, like, fear of, like, really crystallizing the fear of, like, there is this, like, very evil entity in my room with me and my mom is, like, asking me if I want something to eat at the same time. She doesn't know that there's this evil entity in the room with me, though. Like, that kind of tension, I love it so much. And I love that Rita's willing to go there in this. Yeah, it's super eerie, especially for Tommy. And then I like even seeing Tommy then, like, teleport her away, being sort of the answer to, like, why isn't this happening all the time? But, like, it works. The whole sequence works. And, like, Scorpina feels like this very, like, insidious force in this first arc. Yeah. We don't see a lot of Squat and Babu in this section. We will later. The Adventures of Bulk and Skull eventually become the Adventures of Squat and Babu. Oh. And we don't see a ton of Finster except for in this annual story, which I've alluded to before, which is one of the darkest Power Rangers things I've ever read in my life. It was was totally atypical, I will say. (laughs) The, The story, I will tell you the whole story right now. Finster has been setting things on fire in his city to cause problems. Because it's in, he wants it to inspire his art. He then, his wife finds out about all of this. He pushes her because she's criticizing him. She falls, hits her head on a table, dies. He's freaking out. Rita shows up and is like, no, this is actually good. Like, you've unleashed the darkness in you. And I found this clay that can make things come to life. Your art will be better than ever. And he's like, great, I'm signing up. And then we find out that for the whole time he's been with Rita, he periodically tries to make his wife and bring her back to life. And every time... It works, and she thinks he's evil and is scared of him, and he thinks that means it doesn't work and kills her again. And it's really intense. Yeah. (laughs) I like it because I think Finster has always been a bit of a creepo, and I sort of like leaning into that. But also... (laughs) But also we see Finster murder his wife with an axe. Oh my god. I know. It's... And the thing is, like, Finster is kind of like bumbling yes so he is actually the most likely to be a efficient serial killer so like actually actually okay actually no notes yeah it's just very dark and very like oh my god and then you know finster and then finster he's like i do think there's something like i don't know is it grecian what is it classical about this idea where you have like you you reach like the apex of your abilities but, like, the person who you wanted to share that with is disgusted by you. It feels very gothic horror to me. Yes. Very, like, Frankenstein, very in that line of literature. Yeah. It's just good. But it's also really weird. <laughs> it's really weird. But but in general, Rita is so good. For the first arc, Tommy is sort of hallucinating Rita. We eventually come to find out this is just his own-ness. It's not Rita herself. At first, we're not sure if Rita's sort of in his head. Yeah. But, like, even that characterization of Rita is so, like, ah, she's so manipulative in a way that works so well. I think that those scenes with, like, Dream Rita or Hallucination Rita, those feel the most, like, Bandora to me. Mm-hmm. Just because that makes she, sense. she's so personal <laughs> in all of her attacks. Yes, and so, like, holding a grudge, which is very Pandora. Yeah, yeah. So I was able to use that as a touch point. And they do a really good job of making it unclear until it, until it is clear that, like, whether it's her actually interfering with his brain or not. Yeah. So... It's fun. One one more all-important version of our cast. Well, two more who we mm-hmm. haven't touched on yet. 
Balkan yeah. Skull. We get two very different takes on Balkan Skull in these comics. Yeah. Balkan Skull in the main series are vloggers. <laughs> they have an internet video show called Ranger Station about everything Power Ranger and are sometimes a sort of point of view touch point to like how Angel Grove is seeing it and are like less stupid. Oh, yeah. Also more attractive. That's also true. And, like, it feels more like we don't see a ton of them interacting with the team. But, like, you almost, like, I get why these people are all in each other's lives more than yeah. just, like, we happen to be around each other. Like, there's yeah. a weird sense of camaraderie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, they go to the same school and they see each other every day and, like, they're peers. Yeah. Yes. And they don't seem, like, obviously they run in different circles, but it's not the same level of, like, you're an asshole and you physically humiliate <laughs> me all the time. Yeah. And it's, they're not like the bullies. They're just kind of like intense and maybe a little overwhelming sometimes. Yes. But that's it. They're just really driven. They're going to have careers in LA after this. Not terrible looks either. Great looks. They look so good. like grunge. It works. I will say bulk does seem smaller, which I'm just like. He does seem smaller. Okay. Less. It's almost like he's still fat, but he's shorter. And so it it makes it hit differently. He just seems very stout as opposed to like a large fat man. He's just like broad is what I would say. Like you would say like that's a that guy. He's kind of broad. You know, it's not like he's he's very proportional, but it's just like, okay, fine. (laughs) And then the other take on Balkan Skull is this sort of like cartoonish, silly. We have the ongoing adventures of Balkan Skull. And then one of the stories in the annual, I think, is very keeping in theme with that, although it's by a different team. That is sort of like goofy Balkan Skull fun times. Yeah. And that just feels like a Balkan Skull from the TV show spinoff. Yes. I will say, I think that the ongoing adventures of Balkan Skull felt far more kind-hearted to me. Like, even when they're being kind of, like, doofuses, they're sort of sweet doofuses. Yeah. They fail upwards a lot of times. Their dynamic with Officer Stone, who we will eventually meet in the television show, is kind of silly and fun. And, like, I'm sort of like, oh, Balkan Skull, you silly idiots. Yeah, they're just kind of goofy. It's like, it's almost like a Looney Tunes vibe. Yes. And then... The story where they become Power Rangers, though, I felt like felt so much more mean-spirited. Did you feel this way? Well, it's hard. Because, <laughs> like, they did become Power Rangers, so that's... But, yeah. But they're, like, absolute idiot Power Rangers. Bulk Ranger suit doesn't cover his belly, which I hate. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, w- largely devoid of fat jokes, thank God, in this series. Yes! <laughs> Love <laughs> that. For that. Except one, for that. Which was just, like, ugh, Which is pointless. so weird, because, like, Bulk in the comics largely is not is the same size as jason like proportionally in the frame yeah and it's just like okay they're just like deep ignoramuses like being sort of like jerked around and hurt for the plot in that one i don't know it didn't hit me well i like bulk and skull in the series a lot i have a lot of fun with ongoing adventures of bulk and skull sort of like lovable charm but that story was sort of like this is the series and the things i didn't like about it (laughs) Yeah, but somebody else, like, really liked it, so they were like, let's do this. I don't know. Yeah, the Renegade Studios Power Rangers board game. There's a box where you can play as that version of Bulk and Skull, so... Mm. If that appeals to any person, it's out there for you. Live your dreams. Speaking of the annuals, I wonder if, like, real quick, what was, like, one story that stood out to you as, like, oh, I really like that. They're all pretty short, they're all pretty pointless. Or not pointless, just, like, they don't change the dynamics too much, but, Um... like... 
Some of them are pretty good. Was there one that stood out to you? You know, I love a good a good day when Scorpina and it was Goldar. They have a good day, just like a yes, yeah. They I go love to the that. fair. I just love that. I love a nice break from the monotony of <laughs> of whatever the work your career of being a villain is. I love that. Yes, and Scorpina looks really hot. Yeah, maybe that is part of why I liked it. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> I think that's a good one. I think the 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 two for me were the the weekend life of Jason. I thought was really fun of like a highlight of like God, this guy really does do so much. Yeah, and that I really liked the Trini vacation story where Trini sort of single handedly takes on Goldar, including a giant Goldar without her Zord. Well, of course she does. Really, is what it is. Of course, that's why I liked it. Yeah, because of course she does. I think our sort of last topic for today, which I say for last because it's going to sort of catapult us into our next episode, Lord Dracon, this new alternate universe, the expanding Power Rangers multiverse. Yeah, Lord Dracon. The the hook here, the first hook, mm-hmm. very clear. Tommy, spell was broken, but then he was like, actually, I'm going to stay evil. Yes. From there, we really start to pull in lots and lots of elements of future Power Rangers <laughs> seasons. Yeah, it's just like, the thing is, I don't, I don't, like how this alternate future is also like i don't know it's weird i don't like older tommy <laughs> he is much older lord dracon uh because it's many years on and sort of grizzled and scarred yeah his hair's still long it's a choice which is like weird because like tommy in later seasons of power rangers he does like cut his hair eventually it's fine his the like suit design which is supposed to be a sort of like evil green ranger who also got some of the white ranger powers is very striking i really like his suit it reminds me a lot of the white ranger dino thunder design Mm-hmm. yeah i definitely see that in there so i feel like that's it's kind of like leading into that he notably did not get control of saba the white rangers talking sword companion who is great <laughs> which i totally forgot about until like that was revealed i was like oh yeah that thing does talk Saba is sort of our Tommy and Billy's guide through this universe. And um, I kind of like it. I dig it. (laughs) Yeah. I'm a fan. Well, and he's kind of a guide for Tommy later on in the show, too, though. So it makes sense. Yes. And then we haven't seen much of the rest of the cast yet in this universe. But our very final issue is the reveal of three people who are part of the coin list. And it's a very strange trio of people yeah so the one is definitely aisha though right uh, yeah it is aisha who yeah. is the soon-to-be yellow ranger it is trini and it is bulk yeah i like that they're this is how they're gonna tie in like aisha and rocky and adam i love that because it's like you know there aren't labor disputes in comic universes in comics sure but not in comic universes so yes yeah i'm excited for how that is all going to tie in in the the zach multiverse story we see a sort of adam in in that lineup which is kind of fun right too. yeah and also like comic book zach meeting 90s tv zach which is kind of fun yeah definitely <laughs> that was a good moment the coin lists are definitely yeah very i'm excited to to sort of rediscover what all they got going on i only remember one thing of where the other rangers are so well two okay and it's a big spoiler i'm imagining i mean it's a spoiler okay you'll find out we'll leave it we'll leave it for next week but yeah i uh i i had a great time any any last thoughts on this sort of first year ish of the boom studios comic well i will say that i did not 
want to stop reading. I didn't want to read ahead before we recorded because I didn't want to have like other ideas in my head like while we're talking about it, but I also did not want to stop reading. It was very hard. Like I'm probably going to like I'm probably going to we're going to stop recording and I'm going to probably read more of the comics. I love it. Um, I'm really excited to hear you say that. I'm glad you're you're responding to as much as I was. And like, just to echo Kyle Higgins and you at the beginning of this episode, it is wild how much it feels like what in your head Power Rangers was when you were watching it as a kid. Yeah. And it's interesting, though, because I do think other series, like other seasons, kind of get closer to this. Mm hmm. You know, I mean, we all have our favorites. There's also a much more modern storytelling sensibility to this than there was to the show, obviously, which helps. Yeah, but I do think it's, like, kind of a collected view. Like, people at certain points in Power Rangers history (laughs) or whatever realize, like, oh, this show could be really complex and dynamic. We can do it. And then I think they do, like, one of those more intense seasons and then they just decide to back off of that for reasons but it's fun to see that like fully committed to in this comic series like all the way and i love that. yes and from a team who so clearly loves not just mighty Morphin power rangers but the franchise like we yeah. see like we talked about adam and aisha the thunderzords this giant head that's gonna appear soon pumpkin rapper who's a mighty Morphin monster has a cameo like there's just lots of like little references and ideas from later on that yeah the the aquatar the ninja rangers so like there's just so mm-hmm, many things mm-hmm. that's like it's not just those first 17 episodes of power rangers and the rest of the series doesn't matter which sometimes i feel like people think like or i would say to its detriment the 2017 movie sort of fell into the trap of like only caring about the bra yeah. level it really feels like there's just such a great affection for the source material while also updating it and making it sort of fresh and new. Should we, now that you bring up Power Rangers 2017, like, yeah, it very much is like, that was just the log line of Power Rangers and not the heart of it. Yes. As much as I liked that film, like, I enjoyed that film. I had fun. Yeah, it was a good time. But to me, it was not Power Rangers it was something else. And I was okay with that being something else. But I don't think a lot of people were, obviously, because it died. Should we do an episode on that? Or are we are we good with Power Rangers 2017? at some point. I just don't know when is sort of my thought <laughs> yeah. on it. Like, uh, maybe in between seasons or something. Like, I, it, it's something that I would like to revisit. But, like, this feels like such of a piece with the stuff we're discussing. Yeah. So it feels like a good time to, t- to take a breath and talk about it. Whereas, like, whenever 2017 Power Rangers comes in, it's gonna be a left turn. <laughs> it's true. There's, yeah... I don't know. We'll have to figure it out because we should. We will. I think it does deserve an episode. Yeah. And we'll definitely talk about the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers movie at some point, too. Yeah. We should just do like a movie episode. Further on in the the ninja story of things. But who was your favorite? I think we're going to broaden it. Ranger. Character. Whoever. Like who is just like a your favorite character from (sighs) the Mm. Boom Studios comic so far. Mm. Hmm. Hmm. I love Trini in this. Yeah. A lot. She's the coolest. She's so cool. But I like I know she's also your favorite. Like I just already know that. So She's not she's not the one I was gonna say. Oh really? Okay. Yeah. I was gonna pick an alternate if you wanted to 
go with that, but I'll stick with it then. No, I have to because I will probably never again do this. Oh no. It's Jason. It's Jason. <laughs> I love Jason in the comics. I think he is so warm and so interesting while still being like, I am the leader. I am really yeah. trying to be good. Like, I think it really makes a human out of the archetype that Jason sits in and I love it. I love him. Yeah, no, he is really good. I, the thing is, is that they're all good. They're all yeah. good. It's Shout hard. out to Goldar, though, because... <laughs> oh, my God, yeah. Great Goldar content throughout. But that is going to do it for today's episode. Next episode in two weeks will be part two of our book club. So I'm going to give this to you in a few different ways. We are reading issues 13 through 24 of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. And then the second ongoing series starts, Go Go Power Rangers, which we're going to read issues one through eight. It's like a little more issues, but it, it, it reads so quick it still flows. And that takes us right up to Shattered Grid, the big crossover. So in collected editions, that's four, five, and six of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers and one and two of Go Go Power Rangers. And a suggested reading order for those is to read Mighty Morphin volumes four and five, then read Go Go one then Mighty Morphin 6, and Go-Go 2. So once again, really fast, if you're reading issues 13 through 24, Go-Go Power Rangers 1 through 8. If you're reading collections, read Mighty Morphin Power Rangers Volume 4 and 5, Go-Go Power Rangers Volume 1, then Mighty Morphin 6, and Go-Go 2. Yes. And these are largely available through library apps, Hoopla, namely. And you can also buy them if you want to buy them. I did also discover recently that they're available if you have like a Kindle Unlimited subscription, if you're one of those. Mm comiXology yeah amazon has comiXology really integrated with that so so they're readily available digitally and if you already have some subscriptions they might already be part of what you already have and hopefully we've really sold you that these are very fun and you should read them they're so good and they read so fast and i just i want everyone to read them yes and then in two episodes shattered grid which i'm so excited to get to yeah you can follow us on social media, Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, Teach Me Sentai. You can email us at teachmesentai at gmail.com. Please rate and review the show. Reviewing especially is a lot of how podcast platforms uh, feed certain shows to other people is the shows that get the most reviews. So like, mm-hmm. that's a really helpful thing you can do for us. But also, of course, telling your friends sharing it with someone who you love who was also a child in the 90s and thank you for listening just for being you yeah thanks for being here thanks for listening to us thanks for i don't know just being around it's great and if you want to thank us for making the show i feel weird about saying it that way but you can support the show at patreon.com slash teach me sentai yeah that would be nice, but you don't have to, obviously. No you pressure. Don't we love doing it, especially when we get to read good stuff like this. Yeah. And now we've come to it. Our final question. John, if you were given a morpher today, what color ranger would you be? Well, Natalie, this uh, really cool friend of mine who is also uh, the co-host of this podcast I make sent me this great, like, very gay Power Ranger shirt that has so many colors. It's primarily white. I'd be a white yeah. ranger. But it does have all sorts of different colors and a fun Power Rangers rainbow. And I love it very much. And I'm wearing that to really channel the Power Rangers energy today. So White Ranger. And thank you for the shirt. You're welcome. I'm so happy you're wearing it. I'm upset that it didn't arrive while I was visiting last time we recorded. So that we could be matching. Whatever. (laughs) It's fine. I would be, I would be a Blue Ranger. Mm. That's just, that's just it. I'm wearing blue on blue. I think most often I will be a Blue Ranger because that's just what my closet is like. So And because Billy's the normal-ish one who becomes... <laughs> <laughs> it's true, yeah. We're all just Billy's on the inside. 
Yeah, that's ain't, ain't that. The I'll truth. tell you who I'm not: a White Ooh. Ranger Tommy. That's for sure. <laughs> Maybe you are, though. Maybe I am. Maybe you are. Maybe one day. Well, thank you so much for listening, everyone. And until next time, may the power protect you, which isn't in this comic even once. That's weird because, like, Jason does say like all the catchphrases. But not that one. Maybe I missed it. I don't think it's there. Anyway, we say it. May the power protect you. (laughs) All right. Bye. Teach Me Sentai is produced and hosted by Natalie Bridgman and John McDonough. Our incredible music is by Christopher Bridgman and our wonderful podcast art is by Yvonne14. You can find their work on Twitter at E-A-V-O-N 14 or on Instagram at Yvonne.14.art. You can support the show by going to patreon.com slash teachmesentai and new episodes come out every other Thursday wherever you get your podcasts.